second reading for this morning is Psalm um, 46, which can be found on page 595 on some of the Pew Bibles. So Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Rachel, for reading God's word. Let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will minister to us, Lord, powerfully, and personally, and profoundly, Lord, the way that only he can do his work. And so we pray that you would strengthen us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, uh, no doubt that we live in very troublesome times today. We live in a very troublesome world. We are appalled and saddened at the events in the world in the recent months. There is evil in this world. Think for a moment of some of these events in the past uh, couple of months. There was the downing of MH17, brought down with the death of 298 people. We are confronted with the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. It seems to be escalating even as of this week, last week. The conflict between Israel and Palestine and the sad loss of life in both nations. The ongoing war in Syria. And then the terrible, terrible events taking place in Iraq with the death and displacement of many people in northern Iraq and for Christians who are suffering and being displaced. Their property is taken, their lives being snatched out, been killed and displaced because of their faith in Christ. So we are deeply saddened. We have seen these events unfold before our very eyes, brought into our very lounge rooms through the TV and social media. We are deeply saddened to see Christians marginalized and many killed due to their faith in Jesus Christ. And in such a context, we may be tempted to ask the question, where is God? In fact, I made a visit to a family this past week and the, uh, the lady said to me, Chris, does not God care for Christians in that part of the world. Where is God? What is he doing? 
A very good question, isn't it? Who can be turned to in such circumstances? Who can be turned to, friends, when we face challenges in our own lives? Perhaps your world is crumbling apart. Perhaps you're going through some severe challenges. Perhaps about your future employment, direction in life. Maybe you're going through mental stress, mental pressure, depression, and the issues of life that compounds upon us in many ways. And I trust, friends, this morning, that as we look at Psalm 46, that it will help us to see that we can turn to God as our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 46 is a psalm which Martin Luther wrote, this very famous hymn that we sang this morning, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It's a mighty hymn. It speaks of strength. It speaks of confidence. It speaks of power. And Luther wrote this hymn based on Psalm 46. Now, as we know, many associate Martin Luther, the German reformer and theologian, with the book of Romans. And in particular, Romans chapter 1, verse 17, the just shall live by faith, which is the text that God used in the conversion of Martin Luther. However, before Luther was converted, through his reading of Romans, Luther, as professor of Bible at the University of Wittenberg, taught the Psalms. And Martin Luther faced one of the most difficult times in his life as the Black Plague swept across Germany and much of Europe. Luther's son almost died. And in the midst of such personal conflict, Luther reflected on the promises of Psalm 46. And one writer... Stephen Lawson puts it this way, Romans gave Luther his theology, but it was the Psalms that gave Luther his thunder. (laughs) Romans gave Luther his theology, but the Psalms gave Luther his thunder. And so the two books, that is Romans and Psalms, laid the biblical foundation for the Reformation. And what a combination of those two to lay the foundation for the Reformation. Now, if you look at Psalm 46, I trust you keep your Bibles open to that passage, to Psalm 46. There are many aspects in this psalm. But for this morning, I've titled the message, God, Our Refuge and Strength. And the psalm divides itself into three sections. This is observed by the end of each stanza with the word selah. Selah is a technical or musical term probably showing accentuation or a pause or interruption. And so we have this division in the psalm. Verses 1 to 3, 4 to 7, 8 to 11. That's the psalm. And for our purpose this morning, we will look at the psalm under the following headings. I've kind of divided it uh, in, in four ways this morning. Verses 1 to 3, God and his help for us. 
Secondly, we see verses 4 to 6, God and his city. Verses 8 to 10, God of the nations. And then I put 7 and 11 together, God of hosts or God of the armies. Because we see that mentioned in verses 7 and 11. So let's look at God and his help for us. What does that really mean? God is our refuge and strength. The psalmist begins this psalm with a confession. The starting point of the psalm is God. Why begin with God? Well, the Bible begins with an emphatic statement in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It begins with God. And so, what aspect of God do we see in this psalm? If you notice carefully, you would see that the word God is used seven times in this psalm. Look at verse 1. God is our refuge. Verse 4. The city of God. Verse 5. God is in the midst of her. Verse 5b. God will help. 7b. The God of Jacob. Then we see in verse 10. Know that I am God. And then in, in verse 11b, again, the God of Jacob. So, seven times. And the name of God that is used here is the Hebrew name that is called, in, 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 we would pronounce it this way, Elohim. Elohim God. I make the point here because, if you look carefully at this psalm, there is another name used for God in this psalm. And I will come back to that in a moment. But let's focus on this name, Elohim. That is God, it's the Hebrew plural noun, and it means the plurality of his majesty. Dr. Asis Prowl, the well-known theologian, puts it this way. The biblical authors use the plural noun Elohim to point us to the fact that the Lord's character and attributes are multifaceted. That his being is rich indeed. In this way, Elohim serves as a plural of intensity to emphasize his creative authorship of the world's diversity. Elohim is also used as a plural of majesty to draw attention to God's oneness. He is the most high God because everything ascribed to deity is found only and fully in him. He is the most high God. And everything ascribed to deity is found only and fully in him. You see, that's why the psalmist uses that word here to indicate to us because God is the most high. Because he is the God. Certainly, we can put our confidence and our trust In this Elohim God. The most high one. And no one can be compared to him. No one. No one, nothing or anyone. I was at a home this past week. And uh, the lady in this place said to me, come I'll show you our temple. So I went down to the, the basement area. And they had all these gods lined up in the temple. Every one of them. All the names were given to me. This one is so and so. This is the name of so and so. This is the name of this god. Uh, the, the, the whole shelf was filled. 
with, with gods. And, uh, well, that's how they worship and we respect what they do. But for us and for the whole world, it's under, we need to see that the God that we have here revealed to us is Elohim that cannot be contained in a temple or in any form or shape is the most high God. And so the psalmist says, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. We will not fear, because God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. You see, the psalmist, friends, is using language that is poetic and has poetic allusions to speak of chaos to the normal order of things. For example, earthquakes, mountains trembling, the swelling of the sea, tsunamis, all cause destruction and chaos to the normal order of creation. Sometimes, life is like that, isn't it? Life is like that. We get hit from... One side to the other. The normal pattern of life where we expect things to go well, suddenly, it's like a tsunami that's hit you. Have you had that experience? Some days are like that. Some weeks are like that. And you think, and you're swimming, and you're thinking, when am I going to get out of this thing? It's too much. I'm being swamped from this way and that way and the normal order of things in my life is turned upside down. Where are you, God, in that situation? Because one never knows what is around the corner. Are you going through a hard time today? Maybe your job is not secure. Maybe you're dealing with some issue in your life and you wonder if anything good in life can happen to you. You see, friends, when everything around us is shaken, the psalmist is saying, we take comfort knowing that God is never, never shaken. He is not shaken in this world. And what an amazing stability that we have in the God that you and I believe in this morning. That's the stability. Whatever you're dealing with, if you know God, then you know that you are not alone. And the point here is that God is with us when the most unimaginable things can come upon his people. And he gives inner strength that comes from knowing and trusting him. He is our refuge or our shelter. That's the the other translation of that word. He is the strength of his people. Therefore, he is a present help in trouble. Charles Spurgeon uh, puts it this way. Uh, Spurgeon, the great uh, Baptist preacher, is more present than friend or relative can be. Old English language, yea, more nearly present than even the trouble itself. To all this comfortable truth is added the consideration that his assistance comes at the needed time. He is not as the swallows that leave us in the winter, We heard about the winter this morning. He is a friend in need and a friend indeed. When it is very dark with us, let brave spirits say, 
Come, let us sing the 46th Psalm. <laughs> so there you go, friends. It's a work for us to do in our homes. Pull out that hymn book and sing the 46th Psalm. <laughs> Gives us that hope and that confidence in, in Him. Then as we move on, we see God and His city. The, we see there that there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. We, can, uh, we see that in our, in our text here this morning, verses 4 right through to, uh, to 6. The city of God. What does it mean? You see, the city of God is a prominent theme in the Old Testament. And I'm not going to elaborate on all aspects of the city of God this morning. But certainly Psalms 48, 76, 84, 87, 122 are called songs of Zion. Songs of the city of God. Songs of Jerusalem. It's a reference to Jerusalem, the city of God. It was called the holy city. The city that God dwelt it's a city of God's people. Now, in the context of this psalm, it is probable that there was a great intervention by God against enemy armies that were marching into Jerusalem. And in this time, those who were in Jerusalem were secure because God was in their midst. And notice... That there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now, there, was, there is no river in Jerusalem. But we have a metaphor that is used here of streams, of river, a flowing river, not a stagnant one, a life-giving river. And in the midst of this river, the city of God is refreshed by this life-giving river. God is in the midst of his people, his city. And the church today of Jesus Christ is the city of God. Augustine wrote about the city of God. We are the city of God. A people here in Surrey Hills. <laughs> but God's city is beyond this place. We localize our cities. Right? The city of Melbourne, the great wonderful city to live in. But God's city is the big city his people from every tribe, language, nation, people groups. And you know what, friends, when I was reading through some of the, uh, the things that, were, that our brothers and sisters were, are going through, I'm sure it would have moved you. I'm sure it, it would have moved you to tears. And I was reminded as I read this psalm and was contemplating what to share with you this morning, my thoughts kept coming back to this psalm, that God's city God's people will be refreshed by God himself. Yes, it will be a difficult journey. The church of God, it will be a challenging journey. But God's city shall not be moved, no matter what man may try to do to it. They cannot destroy his city. God has given us an assurance that it will not and it cannot be destroyed. I was reading an article yesterday, uh, last week, sorry, on um, the U.S. Navy. The, 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 the command was given that the Bibles would be taken away from all U.S. Navy um, camps and, um, and, and their officers. And you know what? The members of the U.S. Navy, they rose up against it and said, no. We want our Bibles back from the Gideons. And they requested the government to turn aside that law. 
And guess what happened? <laughs> to the powerful praying of God's people, the rising up of God's people in, in the Navy, the Bibles are back. And there's rejoicing. Because the men and women in uniform, they said, we want God's word to be here with us. Don't take it away. Oh, what a wonderful blessing that is, isn't it? We don't hear so many of those stories. Yesterday I was reading, uh, in fact, Rose gave me this article last night uh, about this, this uh, uh, Israel Falau, right? You, you've heard of him? Right? Uh, the, the, the soccer guy, and now he's in, 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 in football, right? Uh, I'm getting my things right. Am, am I all right? Correct me, correct me. What, what, what did he play before? Anyway, the fact is, <laughs> his testimony is there in the Herald Sun, Right? And he came out and he said, and you read the testimony, I read it actually last night. He says, I want athletes to come out and say that they believe in Jesus Christ. He said he he had an injured ankle and he said God used that event to bring a, 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 a transformation in his life. And that today he believes in Jesus Christ. And he says we ought not to be ashamed to talk about Jesus Christ. And he says, I want all athletes who are Christians to stand up and say about Christ. And speak up about Jesus. And God's doing amazing things in the midst of the chaos of this world. We heard a testimony this morning. Our God is at work. The city of God is progressing on. I was, at a, I was invited to be at a luncheon with African Enterprise International Director. From Kenya. I said that, Rosa and myself, we're very involved, we, we love African enterprise, we support that ministry. But I was sitting there and I heard the testimony of this brother who said, the church in Africa is growing so strong. Amazing. In fact, they have to put metal detectors at the entrance to the church in Kenya to prevent people from coming in and doing damage. Well, Graham and Christine uh, were there at that function. What, what, a, what an encouragement. You see, God is building His church, the city of God, the church of Jesus Christ. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters His voice. The earth melts. And then the psalmist moves quickly and he says in verses 8 to, eight to 10, Come, behold, he says. That word, come, come and see. Behold, look, see the works of the Lord. He makes wars to cease. Here is a vision, friends, that the psalmist has. This psalm is speaking for the circumstance of the time, but this psalm is also, I believe, a prophetic psalm because it is also looking to the future. I'm going to point out some of those truths this morning as we look at God's word here. Here is a vision of things that are finally to come, although the demonstration of God's power now is a foretaste of the future. Look, behold, consider the works of our God. He makes wars to cease, and it is he who breaks the bow. It is he that burns the chariots of fire. He has the power to disarm armies. He has done it in the past. And the nation surrounding Israel knew of the God of the nation of Israel. And so, in the text here, it says, God says now, God is speaking explicitly. Did you notice that in verse 10? Psalmist has given us so far, verse 10, 
It's a transition here. This is not the psalmist who is saying. Explicit statement from God. Be still and know. What is it? Anyone complete it? That I am God. Be still and know. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. See, he's saying to the church. He's saying to God's people. You are seeing the chaos around you. The rage that's going on around you. Everything that seems chaotic. But I want you to know. To know. That's what it is. Be still and know. That I am God. Do we sometimes stay still? (laughs) We are so busy, aren't we? We are so busy. We've got social media. So we are on Facebook. I'm not having to go at anyone, so don't get me wrong. We have a phone, phones now, so we are texting all the time. How are you going now? I'm going all right. Yeah, yeah. Look at me when you talk. I'm busy. Sometimes you know, we, might, we can text each other in the in the house. Oh, by the way, did you did you close the door in the back there? <laughs> uh, have you lost your mobile phone at times? Uh, in my in my uh, my house, I sometimes I keep my phone here and there, and I can't find my phone, so I take the other phone and ring to find out where my phone is. And it rings. You see, we're so driven by these things. You can't talk to people now because they've got all these things connected to their ears and they are in another world. So, hi, how are you? I'm here. Oh, 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 you're there. You see what I'm saying? But that's not kind of the stillness that we are seeing here. I'm giving you some examples. God is saying, be still. You know that I am God. Everything bad may take place and my church is hit from all angles. And as Christians, as the city of God, you need to know to be still and know that I am God, Elohim, God, the most high God, who has all things under my control. <laughs> Not yours, but under mine. And that's what we see here in this psalm. Be still. I will be exalted among the nations. That will happen, friends. The psalmist is looking to the future. So put your faith in me, God says. Trust me. Be still. And then the psalmist moves on. The God of hosts. I mentioned earlier that there's another name for God that is used here. There's a change of the name of the word Elohim. Uh, God to the reference to the Lord. Now look verses 11 and Sorry, 7 and 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Verse 11, the Lord of hosts. Now, the name that is used here is Lord. In fact, is the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts is used twice in this psalm. And the word for Lord here is the word Yahweh. So, there's a shift from Elohim to Yahweh. You see, Yahweh is the highest name of our God. It's his personal name. The word Yahweh is related to the verb to be. I am who I am. Genesis, Exodus 3.14. Dr. Arsis Prowl uh, commented on this. It says this. It shows on Yahweh, that is, that the Lord's character is unchangeable. We can say of ourselves, I was X last year, but now I'm Y. 
I don't know why he said this, but anyway, we'll make sense here. <laughs> and next week, I could be Z or Z, but not our creator. Yesterday, he says, I am. Today, he says, I am. And tomorrow, he says, I am. He cannot learn any new information or become more holy. None of God's perfections can be subtracted or added to. He can never be anything other than what he is today. There is absolutely no shadow of change for our creator. That's the God, Yahweh. A vital, significant difference between our own existence and that of God. He is an unchanging God. And notice, friends, is the Lord of hosts. The word host means an army. It could be the, the armies of Israel. It could be the angelic, heavenly armies. He's the Lord of the armies. The Lord of powers. No wonder uh, Moses said this in Exodus chapter 15. Um, he, he said this in verses 2 and 3. The Lord is my strength, my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise Him, my Father's God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is His name, Yahweh. He's a warrior. The Lord, Yahweh, is His name. The fighting warrior that goes before His people. Yes, in the world, the church and Christians will suffer. But in the end, it will all be right. Ours is a spiritual battle. The Lord of hosts fights those battles for us as we trust him. It will all be right. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So friends, God is our refuge and our strength. Is he yours this morning? Do you trust him? Why can we trust this God? Because he is with us. And how do we know this? It's a beautiful prophecy here, friends. I mean, this psalm is packed uh, with lots of Christological connections. If you want to look at those connections closely, right? Um, for example, we see this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And we'll call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. The God of Jacob is with us, with you and with me. And how, how did this happen? Don Carson says this, Do you want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. No one has ever seen God. God in all of his transcendent splendor, we still cannot see until the last day. But the word became flesh. God became a human being. With the name of Jesus. And we can see him. God is with us. Let me tie further on this quickly. On the city of God as well. See God is within his city. And the city is under attack. But notice friends. That there is a river that is flowing in the city. And you go home. And you read, because we don't, we're not going to read it this morning, Ezekiel chapter 47. And Ezekiel in that chapter saw a river flowing from the temple. And the river flowed and kept rising. And wherever it went, it brought healing. Today the church proclaims Jesus Christ, 
the streams of which gladness and healing comes. This is the message of hope. The life-giving river is in Jesus. And Jesus appealed to the image of Ezekiel 47 when he spoke to the Samaritan woman and said this, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water well enough to eternal life. Are you spiritually dry this morning? How is your tank? <laughs> How is your spiritual tank? Are you coming? Keep on, I mean, we heard the word sanctification being mentioned, right, in our kids' talk. <laughs> what is sanctification? A sanctification is a process of being made holy. Right? That's what it is. And as we come to Jesus, we keep, do we come to Jesus and stop there? Do we? No. We keep on coming to Him, right? We keep on coming to Him to be refreshed, to be strengthened. When I feel so weak and frail and, and fragile and I feel humanly and spiritually down and my tank is down. I come, Lord, I come to you for refreshment. Refresh me in your word. Refresh me in your spirit. Because you are the fountain of living water. Refresh my soul. So that I will not be stagnant. But draw from that life-giving water. That gives me meaning and purpose and vision and direction. That keeps the spiritual energy going when the tank is down. See, come, come to this river. And look at Revelation 22, it's our first reading. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God. Down the middle, again, this is being picked up in Revelation. John sees the river of life flowing from the throne of God in the new Jerusalem. What a picture, friends. And finally... As we close, the Lord of hosts, as we have seen in this psalm, which I believe also points to the future, to a warrior king. Revelation chapter 19. Look at Revelation 19. You see these words, they're 11 onwards. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire. And he said, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the word of God. The armies. Now remember the host? The God of hosts? The Lord of hosts? The, the armies of heaven were flowing, were following him. Riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with, with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written. What's the name? King of Kings and Lord of Lords. A day will come. When everything will be made right. Christ will return and establish the new heavens and the new earth and the city of God. And the cities of this world will become under the power 
of Christ. This is a spiritual thing that we see here. And the day will come when we will sit with the Lamb in all His splendor in heaven. What a day that will be. Hey? You looking forward to that? Let me close with the words of Charles Spurgeon. Soldiers of the cross, remember this and count yourselves safe and make yourselves strong in God. Forget not the personal possessive word our. Make sure each one of your portion in God that you may say, He is my refuge and strength. Can you say that this morning? May God encourage us. May God bless us. May God strengthen us in Him today. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You that You are our strength. You are our refuge, Lord. You are everything to us. A very present help in trouble. We pray that You help us to put our faith and our confidence, Lord, in Christ alone. As we look to the future. When Christ will return. Amen. And friends because of that.